Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. But uh, the lady I had that was working for me was, I thought, a rock star. And then she quit taking her bipolar medication. I never dealt with that before in my life. That yeah. was a learning experience. Uh, not knowing whether she's happy with you or mad at you or what. Then all of a sudden, she's blowing up mad at you for walking by and looking at the car she's working on. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, you've got his audio down, I think. Do I? No, I do not. Give me a mic check. Mic check. Come on up and pull that yeah, mic closer. You got to have that mic like right on top of you. Mic so, check. There you go. You know, that that's... <clears throat> We get into that situation, and we spend the majority of our time trying to figure out what the hell we did wrong. And we didn't right. do nothing wrong. Exactly. But but you you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You want to try and figure out, like, hey, why is this happening? Yeah. You know, why is this happening? I, man, I'll never forget. We went to a class a while back. We were in uh, in the original ASTE hotel. And this is just a couple months back. We're in this class, and this woman is in this class, and she is absolutely talking trash about the owner. And I know the owner. And I'm like, I know this person. This is not, like, I, I mean, sure things can happen behind closed doors that you don't know about. But I just, I know this person. There's no way. And so, man, it kept going and going and going. And and she's talking so bad about him. And I'll never forget the moment I realized why. Because she, they're, they're playing telephone calls back. And they go to play this telephone call back. And it's hers. And she's already made every single excuse. She's framed every which thing you can imagine about how he's a piece of junk, right? And they play the telephone call back. And everybody in the room realized why she was acting the way she was acting. What you out? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I will never forget that interaction and seeing the way. And so I talked to him. And I said, hey, I said, I, I'm not trying to put my nose in anybody's business. It's none of my business at all. But I think I would talk to this employee. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I just, man, I don't want to get into all the specifics and everything else, but I think I'd talk to this employee and make sure everything's okay. Two weeks later, he called back. He said, she doesn't work here anymore. I said, why not? He said, because she had a completely different image of the human being that I was. Wow. And she had made her mind up about me. She never asked me. She never talked to me. She never said, how do you feel about this? Or, hey, you've upset me and you've done this. He said, she had bottled all that up inside. And, and never talk to me about it. And I think about all the times that as a business owner, as, as an employer, that I never realized that they had been acquiring baggage all along. And every little thing, they had made up their mind. We had the Eric and Laura Lee story a while back. 
And the service advisor was convinced they were making millions and millions of dollars and they were just putting it in their pocket and he wasn't taking any of that home. And it wasn't true. No. And so I don't think it's the same in your case. I, I Maybe a little bit, but I think we can be too kind. We get away because we're we're professionals, but but we're laid back. You, me and you were country boys, and so we do things a little bit different. Yeah. We're laid back. We want to have a fun environment, and we never set that standard and say, this is how we do business. All right, yeah, I agree with you on the standards, but I was having a problem with swallowing the too kindness part. <laughs> I, I really was because uh, you, well, you all know me. I'm such a nice guy. Uh, Lovable, caring, and all that. There is nothing <laughs> There is nothing but, wrong with being too kind yeah, as long as you have the right people to be kind to. Yeah. I, that that was the other part of the stick, too. When are you too kind? How? Yeah. And I was telling a guy the other day, you can be too kind, too nice, too giving to the person that's taking advantage of you. Yeah. And then hey, I, make sure you introduce our And they'll our capitalize guests. on that. Yeah. Mike Cleary and John Firm. Nobody knows who no. John Firm is. Yeah, That's I know. Buck they heard Buck the Rue Bob. They heard his voice. They know. <laughs> they know. Yeah. Well, I'm just Mike Cleary on Facebook. <laughs> no, he, I, he, I don't, I'm not part he, of the witness protection program <laughs> like he is. On Instagram, he is <laughs> the oh, Garage God. <laughs> the Garage God. <laughs> Hashtag the Garage God on Instagram. There, there's oh, a story good. behind that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I did not pick that name. His daughter did, and I love it. <laughs> I, I like it. Uh-huh. I, I mean, it's got a ring. You know, I, I, I've i never heard somebody so excited to meet Mike Cleary as Jeff Compton was. Oh, he was, he, wasn't he? Boy, he come in there and he said, Why? Oh, my God. He said, I, I, I knew him years ago. And he said, he didn't even know who my, he didn't even know my name. I didn't, he didn't even know who I was. He said, we took classes. And he said, I begged him, please let me take Mike Cleary's class. I just really want to take Mike Cleary's class. He said, oh, I'm going to, I mean, he was absolutely starstruck. I'm just a regular guy, man. He was, he's like, I learned so much from him. I'm just a regular guy. A uh, regular guy, rock star, That's regular right. guy. That's just right. a regular guy. <laughs> but you know, I I don't know, John. And and where is too kind? And and it's hard to tell where to draw that line out because it, the there becomes a time when you're getting walked on. Yeah. And the the very second that you cross that line, I, it's like a line in the sand. I don't know what it is. I went through this. It triggers. And and th- this person died recently. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had, like, flashbacks of the whole situation in my head. Did I do the right thing? Did I handle it the right way? We, You know, we were up on that panel, and we were talking about how technicians right. are upset with owners. And I, I just – I know not all owners feel that way, but, man, I, I still have flashbacks, and I wake up in the middle of the night and think, did I – man, did I handle that the right way? Mm-hmm. Did I say the right thing? Because I care about people. I love my people. Right. I love the people in our circles. And and I don't think technicians realize, and and maybe it's true. Maybe there's bad shops out there, there but is. I think there's I think there's fewer bad shops that actually care about their that don't actually care about their people than there are good shops. I think part of that too is we're self critical because we were all technicians at one point. Yeah, and I, John's heard me say this before, and I tell techs this. You know, before you start complaining about your owner, you should own a shop. Yeah, right because. I think we were talking about this last night. All in California, door rates are pretty high, and yeah. the shop's 180 bucks an hour. And some techs think that whole 180 dollars is going in the guy's wallet, right? Yeah. They don't see all the fees behind the scenes, like especially in California, hazardous material fee, yeah. air compressor permit fees, all these fees. 
air compressor yep. permit? <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. We don't have that in Texas, but yeah, it's y'all just, ain't it's, got it's, nothing. It, it, Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Amen. They don't see all the back fees that you got to pay, liability insurance, unless they've been there. You know what the problem is, right? It's the shop owners who decide to open shops in California. Shut them yeah. all down, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Ship them to another state. Let the bottleneck begin. That's it. it. There you go. Uh, why why the not? The trucking industry is doing that. Put, just yeah. put them on the border. We uh, like, hey, you got to drive to Vegas. Or you got to drive to Arizona. Or you got to drive to to Oregon to get your car worked on. What do, what do you mean? Yeah. Talk to your yeah. local representative. They've made this possible. So they yeah, really did. There's only one pe- reason people live in California, right, John? Yeah. <laughs> it's the weather. Uh, I could see that. Yeah, that's what that lady be, told me today. Be. I can see, like, right in the middle of the state where it's 70 and beautiful all the time. But you get too far south, and it's 99 degrees, oppressively hot. Well, where I live. And it Fresno. smells like urine, and you got to step over people <laughs> as you're walking down no, I think you're thinking of San Francisco. Actually. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of the weather in San Francisco. I can see. Now, I would probably, like, leave the city and then set up camp somewhere outside. <laughs> Liter- camp. Literally camp. Where, <laughs> yeah, because you can't afford a house. Where I live in Fresno is almost, right, well, I just moved over closer to the coast, but we're almost in the exact geographical center of the state. Hmm. So, point of reference, we're about 60 miles south of Yosemite National Park, and it gets oppressively hot in the summer. They're, like, 105, 110 degrees. Oh, that's so hot. <laughs> so hot, <laughs> but I'll take a hundred. I did, oh, never thought I would say this until I lived in Oxford, Mississippi, for six months. I'll take a hundred and ten degree day in Fresno anytime over eighty five, ninety degrees. In oh, Oxford, buddy, Mississippi. Buddy. You say oh, that, but a different kind it of is hot. A, oh my God, it's a hundred and ten in Mississippi is a free hundred and ten degrees. <laughs> I am free. <laughs> to do what I want <laughs> and not be fine to just to own an air compressor in my repair shop. Yeah. Get I, out of here with that. You know, 
I, I could not. Hey, they just passed a uh, new minimum wage law in California. Mm-hmm, you see mm-hmm. this? Yeah. $20 for fast yep. food workers. Seven twenty five still yep. in Texas. Nobody's getting paid seven twenty five. Nobody's getting paid. Yeah, seven twenty five in Kansas. Yeah, I was telling uh, um, uh, dude from earlier. He's like, "What's your minimum wage?" I'm seven twenty five. He's like, "Nobody gets paid seven twenty five. He's like, "Well, that makes sense. That's the way it should be. You can make it zero. Nobody's <laughs> gonna get paid zero unless you're willing to work for zero. Well, the people that do restaurants. And they don't pay the waitress. They pay through tips. North right. Carolina is two thirty five so, minimum on tip with if you're a tipped worker. Correct. It's like that in a lot of states. They yeah. don't yeah. minimum wage for restaurant workers is a lot lower. Okay, yeah. but the I, the fantastic waitress we had at Flemings, she is making over a hundred thousand yeah. dollars a year working at Flemings. Yeah. yeah, I you know here's the thing is I've I've seen a couple shops, I, I know of four shops that I can think of right now that they would bring somebody in to work. And I've watched these owners in these four shops systematically create golden handcuffs. And and in, in this instance, it was situations where these people had been in trouble. They couldn't get a job somewhere else. He found them, and he got them into the business. And he now he's not doing anything else legal, but he's paying them $300 a week to work on cars. Mm-hmm. Now, he has their bank account. He's paying them cash. Because the bank account's in his name. He takes the cash out of the business, pays them. Right. No workman's comp, no insurance, like no liability insurance, right. no nothing. And so he's out here, and he's got these people working for $300 a month. Now, minimum wage is not going to protect how, that. How bad? Minimum wage doesn't protect that. but At all. Okay. But I'm just, I guess Minimum wage is, doesn't, is that doesn't fix I think that was under the, the table repair. It. I think that was the idea behind it is it would stop abuse of the... No, the idea behind it was we need a form of uh, continuous taxation. That's all it is. That's all it is. They need a little bump in the payroll tax. That's what do we do? We jack, up the, we jack up the, the minimum wage. I, had a, I was working in a grocery store and I was facing <laughs> the pop bottles. That's what I was doing. Facing the pop bottle and this old guy walks up to me and he goes, what do you make here? I'm like, $6.75 an hour. And he's like, you know why that is, right? I go, no. Because politicians want more tax money. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like 16, so right. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. You didn't know who politician so he, was. <laughs> right? Who is like, that? He's like, they jack up the minimum wage to pay you more, but they're just taking more of your payroll taxes. The more out in t- payroll taxes, they just need a bump in that. He was right. You know what I like most about David? Right. Is that we can be having a conversation, and the moment that something about tax comes up, he becomes so Irate. aggressive. He becomes Aggre- so. Was it, am I being aggressive? No, it's. Totally. I can see. I can see a change. <laughs> Just like in I you. would be. <laughs> yeah, I can see a change. I can see you shift. Your eyes change, and you get this look about you, and you. Passionate. Let's talk about taxes pass- for an hour. No, I like passionate. that. Yeah, you said aggressive. He he said passionate. But, I like but him. see, I'm from yeah. California, so I got to be politically correct. So right, you pa- say aggressive pa- in passionate. California, you get somebody shot. Yeah, you know, the cops show up. Passionate. You're passionate. <laughs> You're passionate about taxation. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. I just nope. look at it this way. I'm being taxed to not have to shovel snow. So while that, we're mm-hmm. on controversial topics, Mike Cleary, uh, you <clears throat> you said some things about ASE, and you said some things about the way that trainers are paid and, and the way that training events work. The I mic did. is yours, sir. 
Where do you want me to start? Wherever let's, you want. Let's start with ASC. So um, I am a proponent of ASC, but I am not a proponent of the way they do business. Um, I don't think they're – well, let me put it to you this way. A lot of technicians – and first off, let me say this. I'm ASC Master Certified Automotive and Truck. I have been – well, my first master certification was 1980. Okay. So <clears throat> right now I'm currently Master Automotive, Master Truck, L1, L2, L3, F1, which is natural gas. Why do I do it? Just a matter of personal pride, which maybe that's why most technicians do it. And I just think that ASE along the way has lost their focus. I think it's, this is the controversial part, I guess. It's a cash grab, I think. Okay. I don't, I mean, passing score on an L1, John's heard me say this a million times. Passing score on an L1 is 65%. Have they lowered that? That's the latest I have. That's what I'm saying. Like, when it, I remember, like, I remember trying to study for the L1 because I thought I was going to take the L1. I was going to pass it. And they, <laughs> yeah, I never and studied because I wasn't going to try to pass it. What uh, I thought, I, I'm like, I, I've I've got this You're down, bad, and okay. I'm yeah, I thought I thought, and I'm looking through, and it's just freeze frame data, and it's what's wrong with this car? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It looks okay, <laughs> and that's all it was. That was a study guide, freeze frame freeze frame data, like old school, like on a tech two freeze frame data. What's wrong with this car? And well, the like, score then was seventy five. Was it okay? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm asking. That's what we they, took it. Yeah, with a tech they've two. dumbed down the test. I just took recertified for L one, but I've seen some other guys post their. You know how you get a printed test score, yeah. and mm -hmm. they've been on Facebook, and they 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 don't look doctored to me. And I've had other guys tell me, yeah, my pa I had to have a sixty five to pass the regular exam. So you, you're probably more versed on the subject than David and I. But I remember a podcast that Carm did with Chris Chesney, and he said that ASE was formed because at the time there were fears that the federal government was going to regulate automotive, and they had said or done things that showed that they had that intent. That's my understanding as well. And so a group of people got together and said, we can self-regulate, and we can do this, and we can show you that we can do this. And that's how it was started. Right. From my perspective, that is not where we are right now. I agree. Um, and, you know, I've I've watched so much, and, and Seth will get mad at me for saying this, but I've watched so much about the the NATEF situation and, and the way that schools are accredited and the way those things are done. And I, I don't necessarily agree with some of that and some of the, the curriculum, and we've got people working to change that, so I'm thankful for that. But I'm with you. It feels like a cash grab right now because it doesn't feel like they're doing anything to market ASE to the consumers. That's where I was headed with my dis Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And so oh, we've been we've been ranting about this entirely. This should this should absolutely be consumer driven 100%. The same thing with the associations except for Asta, they're wonderful. But everybody else, they should be 100% driven towards the consumer that do not go to a shop. Unless they have AC certified technicians, do not go to a shop unless they are a member of the ACA, ASTA, on and on and on. And and so my here, here here's my next question. 
Now, Jim Kakonis dropped this on me. And and we were we were sitting at dinner one night, and he said, Lucas, he said, you're talking about these certifications. Like, they have the ability to change something or do something different for our industry. He said, but son, they're just a piece of paper. Where's the competency? There's no guarantee of competency in any of this. Nope. And so you you want you want to tell me that a man is a professional and he knows what he's doing based on a on a test. And he said, I'm going to tell you. He said some of the absolute best test takers in the world could not fix a car to save their lives. That's right. And he said, so where is it that we're going to get competency based testing? And 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 so he brings this up because he's huge in education, and and he's part of the workforce development here for ASTA, and he's part of the organization here that's driving that and moving that forward. But Jim says, look. It's great that you have apprentices, but unless you have a curriculum which walks them through working on a car, safely lifting the car, creating structure where they can learn and they can make mistakes and they can grow, and then when they get done, they can prove that they know that because you can put them in a shop and that shop will just let them do whatever it is they want to do. Yep. And it's hard to teach somebody, yes. right? You know that it's hard to teach somebody. You take a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid and you try to teach them Boys, it's a whole lot harder. And so if the goal, if the end result we're looking for is simply to be able to say, I'm an apprentice or I passed the test, for God's sakes, what are we doing? Because it it doesn't accomplish anything. I completely agree. And to some degree, they have that in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't helped Canada. It hasn't Dr. helped. Jeff. It hasn't. Yeah, no, I agree. And Jeff help. and I kind of talked the other night as best you can. And when everybody, you know, you got so yeah. many people around. But... You know, they again, they lowered the standard 65%, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, think think about this. This is the analogy I always use because I can't tell you how many times I've heard technicians say, we should be paid the same amount as doctors. Well, yeah. I disagree 100 completely with that comment, okay? First off, a lot of tech, my wife was a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. She has to go to c- continued training every year to keep her license. Now, again, that's a licensing issue, and yes, it's a paper test. Okay, but how would you feel if you were going into open-heart surgery and you found out your surgeon had a 65% test score on his state boards, (laughs) right? Yeah. I don't care whether it's a paper test or not. You're not going to be real comfortable if they put the anesthesia in you. Yeah. So, and then I get arguments from other people, and I'm open-minded, so I don't have all the answers, but they're like, well, and going back to your comment, out, ASE told the government, we'll take care of all this, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they got this 65% score going, and then they're not doing anything for the techs, okay? Back, I forget how many years ago it was, they came out with a uh, ins- health insurance program for the techs. Mm-hmm. They don't have it anymore. My wife looked at it. First off, the tech was going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And my wife, being a medical professional, I told her the garage I worked at, I didn't have health insurance. Yeah. I was on her policy. And I told her, hey, look at this. And she's like, this is minimal coverage. She says, you better have an arm cut off. I'm exaggerating yeah. to make a point. But right. she goes, you better, you, know, you better have an arm cut off to get any benefit out of this. You know, for years they've told us, remember, I've been in. Hey, everyone, it's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. 
You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. doesn't cost you a dime. And ASE certified for 43 years, right. we're going to do a nationwide marketing campaign. That never happened. Right. I never see it. That never I never happened. see it. And, and they, you know, my daddy always told me when I was little, he, I, I would go and make decisions and I would tell him why my decision was okay. Right. And it, it had a bad result. And my dad, and, and the term always came from him. You've heard me say it many, many times. Son, the road to hell's paved with good intentions. You know, and I, I, I'll never forget, I, I was, we're not going to talk about why I was in court, but I was in court. For <laughs> uh, one so, of those good intentions. Right. Well, yeah. I, the, the judge was literally up front at the court, in the courtroom. Um, and, and he later, um, his, his name was Phil Ginn and fantastic, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant human being, traveled the country, traveled the world. And came back, and I, I at one point I ended up having jury duty with him again later. He was my dad's attorney, and he said, this justice system in this country, he said, you may hate it, and you may hate being here for jury duty, and you may hate everything about this, but I can promise you, compared to anywhere else in the world, That's this better. is the fairest system, and if you yep. have any other ideas, we're all ears. We're yep. listening. Yep. Like, you, yep. you got some ideas. And so yeah. I'll never forget Judge Ginn standing up there at the front of the courtroom. And the attorney made his argument, and and the the plaintiff stands up and explains, or the defendant stands up and explains his position. Judge Ginn said, son, he said, I feel terrible for you. He said, I really do, but ignorance is absolutely no excuse for breaking the law. It doesn't matter that you didn't know it was a law. It's still a law. You have a personal responsibility, right? Well, it's the same thing with ASE. They have a personal, they have a business responsibility because they told us they were going to do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and to me, it seems like there's a lot of lip service right now. There is. That says, we're going to do this. Boys, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to, Blue Seal program. We're going to put the Blue Seal on shops. I'm, I have asked my consumers, do you know what ASE is? No, never heard of it. They know the word certified. They don't know what that means. Right. Well, I was at an ASC management conference years ago, and I made the comment in the room. It was one of those panel groups, and mm. there were 40, 50 people in the room. And I said, my customers don't care if I'm ASC certified as a tech. They just want their vehicles fixed. They couldn't yeah. care less. And you could have heard a pin drop in the room. Yeah. And it's like I'll get arguments from ASC proponents that, well, technicians are getting pay raises because we're providing ASC certification. And my argument is, no, they're getting pay raises because their employer are just giving them a pay raise. The other argument I'll get is, 
Well, they provide a minimum performance standard for certification. And my argument is, is that really what we're after in this industry is a minimum exactly. performance standard? Exactly. Right. hundred percent. And, and if, if there's no competency component to it, right. And, and if we have a minimum standard with no competency component, there, there is a competency component. It was supposed to be two years of training in a shop. Mm-hmm. With the owner you know signing how many off, people I have seen. I'm just saying that that's what that they had. They had that factored in. It hasn't worked out the way they wanted it to, but it, they did have something there. Yeah, in place. they they had a thought process in place, but under Tom, Dick, or Harry could verify, could vouch for you, and it was never verified. Yeah, right. So ASE, I'm not a, and so then. So then I've made some posts, as you guys have seen on social media. I made a post. An innocent post, I thought, on Scott's network. Mm-hmm. So I have seen it. Yeah, I was just curious when you guys do take part in the the test writing procedure. How do they compensate you? Just, I thought it was just an innocent enough question. Maybe I shouldn't have asked it on Scott's network, but I did. And this one guy from ASE jumped all over me, and he said, "You have no business." Asking that question in an open forum like this. What? And I what? had uh, Phil Fournier, who I'm sure you mm-hmm. probably heard of. Phil came to my defense and said, hey, you know, it was an innocent, basically, I'm paraphrasing, it was an innocent question. This guy's actually a really good tech. And if you need a guy to write your diesel, A9, yeah. this is a guy you consider. He's not just mm-hmm. like some Joe Blow and then couple other guys came on and they're like well, even they, if you were a joe blow why can't you ask that question yeah, and they, that's what they said too they go this is an open forum network why is why would it be a problem why to ask host, that question why the hostility yeah right it's because they don't pay them <clears throat> it's for freezies <laughs> or do you it, have to pay it, it, they pay you but the equivalent to what they pay you is 45 dollars it's funny that this came up because <laughs> And if you can do it in Spanish, it's just a little bit more. We, we, <laughs> we, we, they do it by Zoom. So about a year has gone by, and they, when I got this text, they, they asked, well, here was the odd thing. Okay, I know I'm older and I'm a throwback, but if I'm going to ask some, let somebody to participate, if I was working for ASE, and I was going to ask somebody to participate in a test writing session. I wouldn't send it to me. This happened over Facebook Messenger. Mm-mm. No, that's, that's how I got that, it. That shows you uh, a decline in level of professionalism. Yeah. What's wrong with that, Facebook Messenger? You do everything through Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah but, but not something like that. Like I'm a throwback, right? To me, they should have either called me or emailed me. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they were doing it on Zoom now, so those expenses have been cut, which that's fine if they're com- – it's their business, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm just, it is easier, right? Zoom is easier. I can see that being easier to, to navigate. But I had to be online at 6 a.m. Pacific time. Excuse me a minute. <clears throat> He's talked so much. He's almost lost his voice. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and uh, and the pay was from I'm not an arrogant person, but for my level of expertise, the pay was insulting. Well, and and so that that leads me 
to the concept that if 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 we're unwilling as that organization that is writing the test to pay for absolute top-notch talent to help us write these tests and make sure because that's the only way they have to ensure competency, right? Yeah. That's the only way yeah. is have a truly competent tech write that test in a way that everybody in the room says, boys, I don't think I could outsmart that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think I could work my way around that. And so the fact that they're unwilling to pay, I mean, if we, if our top techs in this nation are earning $125,000 to $150,000 a year. Why do, and, we, why do you keep shifting the number up? I think, well, I'm saying At the next I'm, conference is going to be 200, yeah, 210,000. No, I'm saying 854,000. Okay, I'm saying that for a tech of his caliber, right? Somebody like that that is that is the very top. You will not find a more skilled power stroke technician in the world, okay. right? Well, He's a one thank, in a million. Thank you. That's a little embarrassing, but thank, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. That's how he got the name Garage God. That's right. Well, but I mean, I'm just saying, like he is a he is a one in one in a million okay. tech in his field, right? He is an elite technician, and so I'm not I'm not scaling that up. I'm saying that that if if he were to be working in a shop, he could command that type of wage to work in a shop. Right, I think they'll always find somebody that will say yes, regardless of the dollar amount. So they're willing to take the lesser, just for the stature, the stature, of, the status, the 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 clout of being able to say, "Well, I'm an ASC test writer." Exactly. There's so many people that will. You don't do care, that. but you know, you got a younger guy that's up and coming, just started his class. You got a Scott Hicks who's trying to build a brand, trying to build himself up as a trainer, and they invite him to to write ASE test questions yeah. at cut rate prices. He might jump on it. We got to stop Oscar from doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but but, <laughs> but, but, but you take an exactly Oscar right. like he's he's trying to build himself up where you're more established. Everybody knows the name, and and you're like, I'm not going to do and so it. So the for system that. takes advantage, just like. Like the things we were talking about in there on the yes. panel, working yeah. for bad shops. Yep, right because the 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 system is known for doing that. I love that meeting because I'm sitting there looking. I'm thinking, man, what a way to market my business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dude, I, I need, I'm needing a new technician come January one. Craig's yeah. retiring, and I'm thinking, ah, I love it. That mm -hmm. that's the bonus that I got from that little meeting y'all had on stage. Yeah. Market that's my what, shop. That, that's what you got is. Yeah, I didn't hear what you said. Well, yeah, that's what <laughs> I ever does. That's what I get. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if if we're gonna continue, who, who the organization ASE? It's for profit. I don't think it's a nonprofit, is it? I, I think NATEF is a nonprofit. Non the the NATEF or ASE Education Foundation side it, of it's nonprofit. It's nonprofit, right? But ASE itself is, is a for-profit organization. And, and you know what? I'm a businessman, so I don't mind people making money. That's no. what this country is all about. But if you're going to come out and say you're going to do this, then do it. Yeah, don't and, don't have and, ass it, and don't blow off your main income source, which is the technicians. Do something for the technicians. Yeah, I got, you know, I recertified as a master technician this year. I got another toolbox magnet. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, and the, I'm not doing it to get an award, okay? Because, I mean, I really don't need to be certified, to be honest with you. So, the, the, here's what frustrates me. Are you then feeding the machine, though? I guess you could look at it that way. I, I 
I get back from it a sense of personal pride that I passed the test, which I guess is a little bit warped because I know the passing score is 65%. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sucked and still passed. Yeah. Yeah. Minimum level of competency, but I passed. Yeah, minimum le- that's what's bad is minimum level of competency. And we've reduced that competency even further because now it's 65% of the minimum level of competency. Like you don't even have to meet the minimum level of competency at 100%. If you can, if you can do halfway good, you know, like it's fine. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest with the F1, which is natural gas. I had no business passing that test. I just took it to see if I could. And I did. And I thought, wow. And I, I've never worked on a natural gas vehicle in my life. Um, now, all that proves to me is I'm good at taking tests. What what worries me? Or at least know the fundamentals enough to get a 65. Yeah, exactly. maybe. What worries me is that when folks have been critical of the organization, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure we'll hear about it from this, yeah. A, technicians. Hey, well, I see people listening who, to this. A, the technicians who are ASC certified kind of feel a little kind of way about it yeah because we've said something bad about their accreditation or about that so it, it's a it's a personal stab so first of all no like if you've taken the time right i want to acknowledge that if you've taken the time to go take the test and you've invested in your career i feel that like you're personally attacking them i'm not attacking <laughs> them though i'm attacking asc it's no not, not a, you not oh. you Mike. yeah lucas however is personally definitely attacking, oh, no, is personally attacking <laughs> everybody uh, you, you know you do see you do see the posts where they they're very Proud, proud of, of what they did, and, and they should be, I and, guess. And they they should be, they should be, and more so if the association properly positioned the accreditation yes, yes. Well, within the industry. What what I was going to get at though is that the organization itself has been extremely critical of anybody who says anything negative about it. I know there are, there are some people out there that will absolutely flip their wig. Get in social media, send you emails, say nasty things, and and basically tell you you're an idiot and you don't know what you're talking about because you don't. And and I think my perspective would be would be to refute said claims, right? I would refute and I would say, hey, I'm really sorry you feel this way. Let's talk about it. Let's go over this. But there are some people who will downright. I mean, they will get nasty and say nasty things. And if you want to make your point. Boys, I've learned a lot of things about not saying nasty things. And to anybody make your that point. says, that, <laughs> yeah, but they're not they're not being realistic though. Then I don't think anybody that's in the industry on a day to day basis and talks to customers can say that ASC has absolutely any impact or standing to no. the normal consumer, and therefore it dictates the behavior of the technicians and the shop owners. If it if it doesn't drive any additional value for the consumer. To be ASC certified, then the the shop owner is not going to value it. I don't, and therefore, don't. yeah, and therefore the and the only reason why you don't value it because the customers aren't asking for it. Right. Okay, and so you don't value it, so you don't you could give two flips with the technicians, and that attitude permeates its way down to the technicians. The technicians see it as, why should I? That's right. What's the point? And yep. I've got young technicians that work for me, and I don't see value in making them go take a test. Even though I would pay for the test, I'm a TetNet shop, so TetNet would pay for the test. That they get paid double for the test. Yeah, I don't push it. Yeah, 
Right. And then, like I no. said, I'm doing it out of personal pride. That's the only reason. I it's the, it's only trainers that are keeping the afloat. <laughs> it's only trainers. <laughs> well, I mean, we, you know, for us, right, we're two hours from, from any major metropolitan area, right? Mm-hmm. And those aren't even major metropolitan areas. But they don't administer at App State? No. And so they've, they've got to drive like an hour away. Oh, and no. then the the organization of like the setup when they go to take their test. Oh, well, sorry. We, you know, and, and that's the test organization, Proton or whatever it Pro-metric. is. Prometric. Prometric. Yeah. But, but it's like, well, you know, we're not actually doing that test today. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant thing. So we just stopped sending people because every time they went, it was a wasted day. It was a battle. Yeah. And it was always a problem. And they were always like, well, sorry, you should have known. You should have known. There's no communication. Zero communication. You have an appointment. Yeah. So many at a time, go in the booth, take your test. And they do that probably once a week. They do it all week long on an ASC test. And then the next week is different tests for other people. Yeah. You know. But uh, we've been very lucky in the Dallas-Fort Worth market to where we don't have that, well, we're not ready. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough test stuff or whatever. Yeah. It's it, pretty dependable. We we have not had a dependable experience where yeah. we're at. And and it would not be that big of a deal if it wasn't an hour mm-hmm. away. And so what we the, the, the kicker for us was, and the reason we stopped doing it, is because we sent them to a class or sent them to take their test. And they were like, oh... We should have called and told you. We don't actually do those tests here. You got to go somewhere else. Oh, boy. And so it was thing after thing like that where it turned into a deal. And it's just like, we're not getting anything for this. How can I continue to ask these guys? I would much rather them come down here and take a class and get a certificate from this class, scan that into the little E-frames, and then put the E-frames up on the wall and let consumers flick through and look for the thing that they want to. Yeah, I, that and that is that wall of dep- nobody looks at them, but the wall is, I think, impactful. It so is. I have a notebook that's two inches thick with all the certificates I've taken over my life, and it's always mm-hmm. set out in the lobby for years. So I you thought, gotta put it on the wall, dear. Yeah, in the bathroom. No, no, not in the bathroom. So I tape it closed with clear tape. Just to see if somebody would open it. It sat there for three months. Nobody touched it. Nobody opened it. No, Nobody broke the seal. I, I'm gonna, like I said, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put them up. Each technician's gonna have their own digital picture frame. Uh huh. And it's gonna scroll. No, but you gotta have the wall though. So if you have three technicians, you're gonna have three plaques. No, no. We want, we want like eighteen plaques, bro. At this point, every wall in my office would be covered. Yeah, I wouldn't that have exactly the and impact. My problem That's is wiping those frames down. I like the idea. Uh, I have a cleaning lady. That's, <laughs> that, that, you need a cleaning lady? And, uh, <laughs> Listen. That's what we're going to do at my shop. I like the idea. Do, I'm do glad I know, came up with it. Do you know what his cleaning lady situation is? At 545, Juan goes and picks up the kids. 645, Juan comes back and puts on a maid outfit and cleans the shop. Ooh. David sits at home and watches on his security cameras. <laughs> That's creepy. Poor one. That's so creepy. That's not what's happening. I don't think ASE is going to be too happy. This is involved in the conversation about maids. Especially with one. I'm not what's didn't say Jose. I said Jose changed the uniform to be. It could be Jose, I guess. No, I am. 
<laughs> he, he, David said, if you'd seen what he did to the bathroom, there's no way. <laughs> oh, he's very hey, tired. Did y'all hear about the fire tired. in the bathroom this morning here? Uh-uh. Yeah. So Big Oscar and I were talking, the bathroom's closed. Said, oh, what happened to the bathroom? He said, somebody went in and blew it up. And I said, no, you're kidding. And then the lady manager walks by and said, what happened in the bathroom? She, oh, y'all didn't hear about the big fire in there this morning? So somebody tried to burn the bathroom out. Wow. <laughs> Oh, tried the to one light that was it? closed. The tried to light it? Yeah, like, to, I guess to get rid of the, the toilet smell? paper and the tissue and all that. Yeah. Huh. And Oscar was talking about they blew it up, but no, they set it a fire. Nice. <laughs> you know, my my thing is, is that you boys behind you better watch out. He's on camera and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but my my thing is, is this is kind of like that episode of King of the Hill with Man with the Terrible Smell. Did you ever yeah. watch that episode? Mm. Yeah, the Ludafisk. Bobby Hill. Do I look uh, like Peter? <laughs> I, you shaved, you would. <laughs> That's why it's not shaved. <laughs> as long as you don't act like you will be all right. <laughs> so, kind of, kind of shift gears here. You've also had a. You've been very, very vocal about training events, mm-hmm. and so we've been. Man, we've been harping on training events and saying we need to have training events, especially in California. I get a lot of feedback. I mean, a lot. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saying, "Why is there nothing in California?" And and you know we've Talk talked to about your it. local representatives. Can you imagine? <laughs> I have to have a fee for an air compressor. Therefore, can you imagine the it. costs <laughs> of having to put on a show on in California. Ugh, sounds awful. The eighty fifth politician that calls me, regulatory office that calls me, and says, "Hey, you didn't get this fee for for what? For AV systems? I have to have a fee for AV Yeah. See, it's in this regulatory code here that we wrote out. We just passed the law two years ago. You need to run for president. He should. President. That would be awesome. No. no, I I would love to help you get that accomplished. I think think we could get there. That would be the worst troll job of the whole. I mean, that would be the U.S. troll job. If COVID taught us anything, it's that local races have the most impact. Amen. I'm, I'm sitting... In the, um, I don't know, I don't know where you stand on some of this, but the <laughs> hold on tight, <laughs> hold on tight. I'm sitting, I'm watching the Johnson County board decide on whether they were going to force my children to wear masks uh, in in school. My my little cutie patootie kids with a dirty face mask on their faces the entire day. And there was, there were, there were five people on the board, three of them, we knew how they were going to go. One dissented. He goes, I don't think we should do this, but I also don't want the schools closed. And then one just went ham and she's pulling out studies and they're doing this. And they had, they had contacted a, a doctor who just kept harping on these masks. By the way, in case everybody wanted to know, the masking thing has now been refuted absolutely without any doubt, even though there were plenty of studies already out there. Mm-hmm. And the, the meta-analysis Cochrane just put out there, which is the gold standard of meta-analysis, said, hey, turns out it doesn't make a difference. Of course, we already knew that, but whatever. The politicians wanted to feel as though they were doing something. And rather than say, hey, we're not going to close down the schools because it's, this is absurd and there's no threat to children and yada, yada, and it's 2021, what are we still doing? They decided that they were going to vote. 
these these idiots were going to vote to have my children wear wear masks. So now I could care less. I mean, it, it does impact me when the presidency does impact me when he tells the IRS to form an association to, to form a, I got to mention this in every podcast. They're, <laughs> they're for, they're forming an entire committee to go after pass through, uh, entities. And then in other words, you're targeting us LLC, um, single owner LLCs and stuff like that. So it does impact us, but man, those local races are so much more impactful because yeah, if are. I had been more vocal, about making sure that we voted in the right person, that could have been the swing vote to then tip the scales that, hey, my kids no longer had to wear masks. And yeah, they're going to private school, but they had to follow the county guidelines. And yeah. so they were forced to wear masks. These dirty masks, which now we've seen the impact and it affects children's ability to learn facial cues. And now we have kids that don't understand facial cues or they're behind developmentally on speaking and What's wrong with these people? <laughs> and all because we and the turnout on national races is always twice what it is on local races. Nobody gives two flips about the local races. Nobody. But that's where it is. That's it's so much more impactful. Yes, yeah, sir. it affects the everyday. I um, that was my end of my rant. Sorry. One, one of the local politicians, not not local state politicians <laughs> that I know, he said. I don't know if, if the folks in North Carolina got together and just decided they were going to be smart about things or if, if it just played out that way. He said, I have no clue, but he said it was pretty much a little here, a little there. And he said, so every race played out to where it was fair and balanced. He said, but as fair and balanced as it could get. He said, you had dissenting opinions on either side. And he said, at the end of the day, he said, if nothing else. He said, damn it, it was gridlocked. And he said, so neither party could make bad decisions that the other had to live with. He said, we were locked right down the middle. So we couldn't do I, don't, I don't know why people get upset with gridlock. They ever, they want, they want, yeah. he, he, he didn't do anything while he was in office. That's great. That's great. Left it alone. Yes. That's it. We've already messed it up enough. How much worse could it get? Let's try. They always <laughs> screw it up. They make it worse. I know you Californians don't necessarily believe that. They think the next one. He's probably the last the next Republican one. in California. Yeah. I, We're trying to get Oscar to move a little closer. <laughs> the last Republican. Yeah. The we should make a movie one. about Sounds that. like a movie. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to yeah. say. You know who the greatest president of all time was? Hey. Grover Cleveland. Wow. They had a depression. Did you know they had a depression while he was president? You no. know what he did? No, what? Nothing. Guess ah. what happened? Nothing. The economy bounced right back. They had a depression, as bad as the Great Depression, while Grover Cleveland was president. And he did absolutely nothing. Just and the newspapers go. were they were they were hounding him. You gotta do something. Look how bad the economy is. You gotta do something. He didn't do Jack. Guess what? What? <laughs> the economy was just fine. It bounced right back to the levels it was before and kept growing. Grover Cleveland. Now you know. Now I know. Did you know that? No. Yeah, me either. Did Paul you care? Yeah, I did. See, okay, he, good. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. You're out. That's He's in. in. That's important <laughs> stuff. I, I follow stuff Now it's the like J&L show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boys, I don't think old Buckley could handle me. He could not. <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's a nice guy. And, he, and, you know. He was so... 
He texted that to me. And what do you think? What's going on? I said, got no clue. Was it about Grover Cleveland? No. No, about the... Was it an email or a letter or text <laughs> yeah, or whatever? And um, yeah, he, I said he he loves you. Somebody said something, but he's not he's, in love with you, right? Yeah, I said he's sharing. <laughs> David, how often do you say that about yourself? He's sharing information with you. Is what he's doing. He's looking out for you. Yeah, is is what I told him. But yep. the I'm a history buff. I like history. Yeah, yeah. I could tell. I study Western history. I can tell you a lot of cool things about Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, and the way it's developed and the way it's put in place. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, financial decisions, financial things that took place are not what I buff on. What's the coolest piece of history you can think of? Oh, you just blew me away. <laughs> There's so much cool stuff out there. I think it's all fascinating. I it's love nuts. the way... Uh, Richard King developed the King Ranch. Uh, Richard King was a stowaway. Nobody, not a person in anybody's radar on a ship, on on flat-bottom boats on the Mississippi. And a captain took a liking to him. I mean, this is a guy that had nothing, orphan. He had no family. And uh, took a liking to him and taught him how to drive flat-bottoms. And there was an opportunity when the war was taking place between Texas and Mexico to bring supplies up the Rio Grande River. And he was able to scrounge up enough money with a partnership and bring the flat-bottom boats up the river to supply the military with what they needed. And through that transition, there was the Spanish land grant and the Spanish land grabs. And he was able to play on that, and he was able to buy land from different people. And um, so in Texas right now, this very minute, there's a lot of things going on from that really? decade. Do you really own the land or did you steal the land? Mm, and that's crazy. And there's people and <clears throat> lawyers that are involved in this, and this blows up real big. You like the uh, movie called Yellowstone mm-hmm. and how they're always trying to steal his land? That's going on right now with the King Ranch. Really? <laughs> yes, from back in the land grant days. So really interesting. So hold on, hold on. Sorry. Uh, just really quick. So they're going back to like documents from the 1800s and going, "Hey, go before that." Before that. Yes. When when did the when the Texas fight the Mexicans? No, no. The the land grants were from Spain, Spaniard grants. Okay. Okay, then when Texas took over, they Those are all in void. No, they honored them. Okay. But they wanted Texas people to take them over. And Richard King wasn't from Texas. He was from Mississippi. And he was just driving a boat. He moved here to put his residency in Texas. So and he had that, no legitimacy to the to the claim? There's, to all the claim? Kind of, there's all kind of screaming and hollering about the Spanish land grants around King Ranch, down south of it, all down in that part of the country. Yes, sir. There's all kinds of crazy. things. That's crazy. Wow. It's being fought in courts right now. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So the the end of uh, the Andy Andrews Seven Decisions video that's on YouTube, uh-huh. he talks about uh, the law of codependence, right? I mean, the butterfly effect. And so he, he goes through a series of like five or six people, and he goes one by one by one. And he says, well, th- this person was credited with saving the lives of two billion people. And he says, yeah, but it wasn't really that person. It was this person who did this, which impacted their life 50 years prior. 
Yeah. He says, well, yeah, but it probably wasn't actually that person that saved the two billion people. It was actually this person. And he goes back over 150 years and says the decision of one person over 150 years ago affected our world as we know it today in a massive way. Yes. Your life has been uh, 100% impacted by the decision one person made 150 years ago. Not, not, not the people that were around them, not the people who lived at that time, but you and me have a different life because of something they did. That's fascinating. Yeah. And so he, I mean, he lays it out like to the T, exactly who did what and I'm how I'm sure it in the most awful way uh, ever because I hate that video. You, you ever heard that? <laughs> you never heard that somebody Why'd say you the that you <laughs> that the only reason why you exist is because like a thousand twenty four people decided to procreate and, they, and you were a result of a thousand twenty four yeah. people. Like, yeah, you ever heard that kind of phraseology? Well, I just thought I, it, it's neat the way he lays it out in the video. You hate? No, I'm the sure. Guy. I'm sure it's awful. I, just, I can't say. <laughs> I, I, you know, when he says things like that, that, and I cannot say that the, when he says things like that, I yeah. take great solace in the fact that I know how many people email me and be like, you know, you're a nice guy, but David's real ass. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel a lot better about things. I, you know, Jeff says the same thing about me, so I'm, I'm good with that, David. There's no way he says that about you. Yeah, I'm telling I'm you, I'm intentionally it, mean to Lucas because nobody else's. Right, I understand, but Jeff tells no, me. No, thanks. You understand, people. <laughs> yeah, people love Jeff so much more than they love me. Yes, because you're, you're so rude. <laughs> you know, that's what he tells me. I'm, Who tells you that? Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> He's so lovable, wonderful. <laughs> you know, people just come out of the woodwork telling me they love him and I. Don't they, Mike? You've seen it today. <laughs> he calls me an ass, too, and I just said heavy on the mister. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Just I mean, show I just, it with respect. That's all I ask. You know, look, all I'm going to say is I'm just, I'm worried about the future of, of this show and this podcast. The number, the 1% top podcast in the world? I think, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm I really worried did. about it. Well, I don't know who gave him that stat. It's 2%. It's the top 2%. Top we're in the 2%. Top. Yeah, we're in the top no, 2%. No, hang on. He does, look, I'm worried because as we age, yeah. And we get up there with you boys. Right. I I just don't want to be like you two snuggling, man. I hear y'all share a twin bed. And I mean, I know that you get more comfortable. <laughs> then he stopped and he's like, ah, I wait, what? what? <laughs> I'm getting a visual I don't want. We even share the same RV. When you get up bed. there in years, when you get up there in years, I know you get more comfortable. David, I'm never sharing a twin bed with you, buddy, okay? I'm just, not doing I'm it. I'm the outside spoon. Outside spoon. <laughs> oh boy. So who's the outside spoon? <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> I'm going there right away. <laughs> as long as we can keep Candace between us, there'll be three in that bed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is why we bring them on. It's so funny. <laughs> Damn, twin size bed, you're going to have to have a ratchet strap to keep everybody on it. Yeah, I'm thinking a four inch one. <laughs> it's pretty good old boy in that bed. 
<laughs> they put me off, and it better be like a bunch of wildcats. It's <laughs> <laughs> more visual. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I, I hope you're going to cut all that out. Probably not. But I hope no, so. no, 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 we don't, we don't cut, cut anything. Out. I, I know you don't edit nothing. Yeah. I guess we got to do another episode with Mike Cleary talking about how he hates training associations and. No, I agree with him. He said it was also a cash grab. He's probably right. Then dude, dude was talking to you up at the let, at the line, let and he's me like, issue a, uh, "Not this not one. Not all trade, <laughs> not all trade associations." Yeah. Well, so for look, instance, let me let me just throw this out there, and I mentioned this to you yesterday, right? Okay, I've been doing training a long time. Yeah. There's three organizations that, when I put a proposal in, have not tried to nickel and dime me on price. Not ask me to edit a class to fit their window so they could jam more butts in the seats and ask me to change the material content. And it's him, you guys, and Mary Steele. And I mean that yeah. as a compliment. And so, I've taught at all the big ones. Here, here's, here's what I'll tell you about this, uh, about ASTA. Mike Allen is the incoming president. Right. Okay. Now, Mark Pons is the current president. Mm -hmm. And we merged the independent garage owners in North Carolina and the North Carolina Tire Dealers Association together. And so we've got board members from both sides. And when we merged, the the overarching thing was is we don't care about anything else aside from helping shops become more successful. How do we do that? What do we do? Now, Mark came in and Mark created the structure and the substance of this organization to where it could be sustainable and it could live on and it can do what it's supposed to do. But Mike, and 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 we're all very appreciative of Mark. He is a top-notch business operator and he operated this organization very, very well and he has created a rock-solid foundation for us moving forward. But Mike is special, okay? He is. And I'm not just saying that. Mike is special. And the reason Mike is special is because he grew up in this organization. His dad was one of the very first members. Okay, this this organization, this will be its sixty fourth show. Okay, yeah. And Mike came to me and he said, "Lucas, he said for me this is not about being president. For me, this is not about having a big show or gaining power as an association." He said, "I want other people in this industry to have the opportunity that I had." He said, "I came up." In this association, I learned how to be a businessman, and I've been successful because of what this association has done for me. It created success in my family. He said it has, it has given me a gift of yes. overwhelming success and security in my life. And he said, my goal, my thing, there go my employees back behind you. My goal, my thing, is I am going to create opportunities for the next generation of shop owner the next generation of technician, the next generation of service advisor to find that success. That is what I'm going to do. It does not matter how we do it. It's not about making money. It's not about making the balance sheet look good. And obviously, we have to do that. That's our, our obligation. To, but you're to, not chasing money. Has nothing to do with money. That's that's what I was You're focused say. on <clears throat> your membership. You're focused on what your call is. You're not focused on money. Exactly. Yeah. That's so important in my life. Amen. The, the reason why the, the conferences have turned into that, though, or are that is because they cannot make money uh, any other way. This is the only way they can generate revenue. And so it turns into 
I can get this many people in the seats. And if I just lower my expenses out, we can put this money much into the bank. Right. And it's because they are just not providing the value to the members. You took on that. That's, that, that's all it is. And They're not. And it, it's not even because you go, you join these organizations and I mean, they do provide a lot of benefits, which is great. But at the end of the day, what's missing as a small independent repair shop owner, I think is the networking, the connection, the camaraderie, like that's non-existent. It's yes. just that you join an association, they send you a plaque and then, and then that's it. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And then you'll get the occasional email and it's like, oh, we got your training. It's like, okay, my technicians don't want to go to night training. I'm sorry. They don't want to go to night training. They don't want to go to training on Saturday. They they do like these events. The events yeah. are fun, mm-hmm. but it, then it becomes. But I'm only doing maybe one or two a year tops, right? Because I have to shut down my shop, and that that's not viable. So maybe I, I like the whole. I'll take one technician to an event, yeah. and the only reason why I'm even going to these events, so many of them, is because of the podcast. So that's not necessarily viable for a lot of shop owners. But there's not, and I don't know what the solution is, but. You don't necessarily see, you don't see these association people showing up to your shop to introduce them, introduce themselves, take a look at your shop. How can we help? Can we introduce you to people? They were, you guys were, oh, you yeah. guys were going we, shot door to door. So, so what, what Mike, some of the first orders of business, uh, and not even just Mike, these were already in place, but, but we're going to have orientation for new members that teach them how to use the programs. And we've built programs not just like, oh, you get a discount on your uniforms. We've built programs, okay, here's where you get your rebates from NAPA. Here's where you get your rebates from Advanced Auto Parts. And here's your contact for this person. You have problems, let us know. We'll work on it. And so they do Zoom meetings, and they connect them with those people that are able to help them and able to get the, the money right. So it doesn't cost them to be part of this. It's giving them money back. And, and here's the thing is how do associations make money? Well, they have programs where they get percentages of that money back exactly through those programs. So the more people they get on them, the more profitable the association is. So therefore, the association can then provide more content for them. I, I have never, and, and we work with a lot of different associations because of the show. I have never seen a group like this. I mean, guys, we, we come down here to Raleigh to go to a training event. Rena from Empowered Advisor came down, right? And everybody was here. And everybody's like, well, I didn't even know you were coming. Guys that aren't even service advisors. Yes. Coming saying, hey, we just want to hang out with our friends and our family. Our friends and our family. Yeah, you guys are my family. I mean, nobody else understands what I go through on a daily basis. And because you guys are here, I want to be here and talk to you. I want to share my struggles with you. I want to tell you about the things I've been going through. Yep. I want to be part of this. And so that camaraderie. Is unbelievable when you see how in depth it is here in this association in North Carolina. It's unbelievable. You don't have this at any other event Mm-mm. in America anywhere. Yeah, and like you, and not just because the the show. I go to a lot of trade shows, and I take my team to a lot of trade shows. Yeah. But you don't have the experience of ASTE any place else, any other event. I've never seen it. Yeah. It, it's a it's a one in a million thing, mm-hmm. and I think it's really because the generation after generation after generation of people that are here, and this is about being something bigger and being something better 
and caring and and actually caring about the output. Yep. Not just words, not just lip service, not just we're here to make money and grow a bigger show so we can earn more money. It's because the people who are running this organization have a general, a, a genuine interest. I think that's true of a, there's because there's a lot of organizations out there. I think that's true for a lot of organizations. I, I just, I think that they've lost that connection to the, the Joe blow shop owner. Does that make I sense? They lost. I think you're right. like ASC. Some of them have lost sight of the bigger picture. They've lost know, sight of the bigger picture. Their members, and I, it turns into I'm going <laughs> to pile more benefits, more benefits. I'm going to get more training, more training, and and it's like it's not necessarily. And then, you know they put on events and stuff like that. It's just I, I don't know. It's hard to quantify. I I, I rode and I've, we've talked about this many times. I rode on a plane back from uh, Cecil's one time yeah. in Utah. And made it almost back to Charlotte, and the man in the seat beside me is a is a business coach, and he says, "Hey, what do you do?" And so we're talking back and forth, and uh, I said, "Well, you know, I was actually out attending some business training," and he said, "Well, what kind of work are you in?" And I explained the whole deal, and he said, uh, "I said, well, who do you coach? You say you're a business coach. Who do you coach?" He said, "I coach Fortune 500 companies." I said, "Oh, that's cool." And so we would start talking, and I realized that I buy products from a lot of the companies he coaches, I mean, multi-billion dollar organizations. And I said, well, what is it that you, you know, because all the coaches that we know, they have fundamentals, but they all teach very different things. And he said, well, he said in Fortune 500 realms, we we don't have broad focuses. He said, because we coach so many of these companies, focusing on what they do is unlikely to be beneficial them we focus on who they are and the culture of the company and what it is that that company means what do they stand for and so we're talking about it he said you know he said lucas he said the problem is is they have become so focused on kpis that they've become blinded to the culture and the purpose of the organization and he said without culture and purpose they do not have a business anymore he said it's only a matter of time because it begins to unwind he's like it's it's pulling a thread a string out of something, a garment, and it's unraveling. Because as you pull it out, that culture, there's no substance to the, the fabric or the structure of the business. So you have to have the culture. You have to have that thing that ties it all together. KPIs won't do that. No, won't. Profit won't do that. Numbers won't do that. Money won't do that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I thought that was so so pivotal and, and it's so important to mention because when we talk about this organization, that is what's made this organization successful. Is because they said, well, the money's great and all, but let's spend it on our members. The money's great and all, but we don't have to have that to be successful. We define what success is, and success is helping shop owners. Good. Yeah, I think some of those associations have lost their focus. I mean, John and I have talked about this when John was with ASA Texas and – <clears throat> it was my early days as a trainer, and I can't tell you how many times, and I know probably you're referencing the Facebook post that me and Kevin McCartney were on, mm -hmm. um, and I think some of the organizations have looked at their organization as a, I mean, I realize they got bills to pay and they need to make money, but they've lost focus on what they're supposed to be doing and they're looking at the organization as a profit center now like this yeah. event here i'm sure y'all yeah you got to make money you got to pay your bills because you are going to have bills 
but they're looking at making. You turn around and smile. I don't mean to interrupt you, oh, but that's you, all right. <laughs> Those guys are going to hate me after they watch this, <laughs> and I'm okay with that too. Um, but they, they've, I've asked certain entities that they're like, well, why don't you provide the training at a discounted rate to your members? What happened to you serving the needs of your membership instead of just turning your event into a profit center mm, for your yeah. organization? Are you, because they'll ask me, well, we want a discount because you need to give back to the industry. I've been giving back. I've done plenty of free training. Uh, my, yeah. my give back to the industry basket is empty for the rest of my life, yeah. right? Yeah. And I guess because I was a business owner, I have had a shop I just recently sold, and now I'm doing this. If there's one word I can't stand, <laughs> it's free. Amen. Yep. Amen, buddy. Amen. It's free. Very good. Good. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.